Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. It is so great spending time with you guys right at the end of our series, Keep the Change, where today we're going to look at our third topic. But before I say more about that, I quickly want to remind you guys, in this series, it's all about keeping the change that God did in our lives. So when we met Jesus, when we gave our lives to Him, He made us a brand new creation. He changed everything about us. And now we're looking at what does it look like then to keep that change, keep in line with that change. And to the contrary, many people might think keeping the change is all about works. However, the Bible tells us that it's far more about faith. So if you got saved by faith, if you got changed through faith, the only way to live inside of that change is to now walk by faith and to continue trusting God. And we looked at trusting God last week. I talked to you guys about that chair and that picture of putting your trust in God. And we said that faith is not just agreeing with God, but it's actively trusting God. So when God says, go and sit on the chair, you can trust me with this, then it means I need to go and sit on the chair, not just speak with God and say, well, it might be okay and so on and so forth. And we actively trust Him. And then we say there are three things that Jesus calls us to follow Him with, to walk by faith in when it comes to this, and that it's so contrary to the world. And those three things are less is more, giving is good, and then today, stress is bad. So with that being said, I thought it best to maybe start off with a few stats on stress. You there at home, I want you to think a little bit for a moment. Maybe you have somebody else next to you, I'm guessing, might be of the opposite gender. So if you need to take a guess, which gender stresses the most, who would you say? Just think for a moment, quickly turn to the person next to you, tell them. The answer is that women are the gender that by far stresses the most. According to stress statistics, that's twice as much as men. Guys, next level, well done. <laughs> and then on top of that, which age group do you guys think stresses the most in the world? The age group that stresses most in the world actually shocked me when I got to the stats. It is Gen Z, 18 to 23 year olds are the group at this stage in the world that stresses the most. It's unbelievable. And then with regards to the effect of stress on our lives, 48% of people have trouble sleeping due to stress. Guys, that's almost 50%. That's almost half of all people struggle to sleep just because of stress. Even more shocking is 73% of people say that they are struggling with mental health issues due to stress. And far worse than that, and this one shocked me, is that 77% of people experience that stress affects them physically. They physically get sick due to stress. Stress has also been identified as the silent killer out there in the world. It's really bad. I mean, and the reason why it's a silent killer, the United Brain Organization wrote it out there, and it's because stress is responsible for six of the top reasons, six of the top global death causes in the world. Stuff like 
cancer and suicide is all stress-related deaths. It's a truly horrifying silent killer. Now, and then obviously on top of that, I need to list the top five related, stress-related causes. So starting with number five, here's the top five reasons why people stress every single day. Number five is relationships. That causes great stress in people's lives. Number four, family responsibilities. Number three, the economy. Number two, work-related stress. And number one, yes, you've guessed it correctly. The number one reason why people are stressing in today's world is money. According to scientific stats, there isn't a greater factor for stress in our lives than money. Now, I don't find that too shocking, to be honest, because if I look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, it's so interesting to see how quickly he connects money and stress to one another. I want to read it to you guys. It's a very famous verse, Matthew 6 verse 24, and then I'm going to go on to verse 25, and I want you to read with me. It goes as follows. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Very famous verse. Jesus makes it clear that money can master you. You can give your allegiance to money and let it guide you in life. But it says, if you do allow money to master you, that's verse 25, you will worry. So he says the following, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will wear, what you will drink. And he goes into all the things that money might be able to give you because he's encouraging you to follow God as your master, as your father. You don't have to worry when you follow God. But what's so interesting for me about these verses is that a devotion to money causes worry. It's a foundational picture. When you devote yourself to money and what it can give you, when that becomes the love of your heart, stress comes with it. And as we've just seen, stress is clearly very bad. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time together. I want to encourage you to pray three specific prayers. And we're going to dive into all three of them. And then we're going to end off with Jesus's words as a conclusion. And the three prayers goes as follows. God, give me self-control. First one. Second one, God, give me understanding. And thirdly, God, give me a plan. So when it comes to my finances and my stress, I want to trust God for self-control. I want to go to Him. I want to ask Him for self-control. Now, in Proverbs 28, uh, 25, verse 28, we read the following. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a person who lacks self-control. What's the Proverbs writer busy saying? He's saying, guys, when you can't exercise self-control in your life, especially when it comes to money, when there's no self-control, you're like a vulnerable, unguarded, unprotected city. You're open for any kind of attack at any moment that will come and destroy and come and deplete, come and just ravage whatever resources there is in that city and just take the life out of it. And for so many of us, when we go on impulsive spending patterns with no self-control, then we end up in that space, ladies. Do I need to speak about sales? We're talking 
the Red Square sale that just happened this past weekend. That moment when you think, I just, come on, I'm saving so much. You come back home, husband sees whole trunk filled with stuff, and you're like, check how much I saved. And you like, check how much you've spent. What's going on here? And all of those little moments where we lapse in self-control, and I know it's, I'm, I'm generalizing when I'm saying just ladies, but it's so true for so many of us. All those little lapses in self-control leads to a defenseless city, leads to a life where there is so much space for vulnerability and coming to attack in your space, in your life. And then obviously, guys, I mean, we don't do this. We don't go all the way and, you know, spend on all the sales. No, we break the bank one moment, just like, boom, rock up at home. Honey, you'll never guess what? I just bought a boat. What an amazing moment. And I sunk us financially. <laughs> That's what happened because I had a lapse in self-control. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to face this as we pray and asking God to give us self-control when it comes to our stress and our money? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to say no for a little while so that we can say yes for the rest of our lives. I'm going to say that again. We're going to say no for a little while so that we can say yes for the rest of our lives. We're going to say no to nails once a week so that we can say yes to nails for the rest of our lives. When we've gotten out of debt, when we've gotten out of all of our stress-related financial situations, where our credit cards are heaping up and our bonds are heaping up and every crisis that we're experiencing forces us to go back to debt, we're going to say no to those things so that we can say yes to enjoying the luxuries that we want for the rest of our lives. Guys, we're gonna say no to golf twice a week, just giving some examples. We're gonna say no to that 35 Rand cup of coffee, which is so great, so that we can say yes for it. We're gonna drink some, I can't believe I'm saying this, we're gonna drink some re-coffee for the next season. And so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. When I was thinking about this and the story of self-control and asking God to give us self-control, I couldn't help but think about the one verse that I've probably quoted most when I'm in conversations with people throughout this COVID season. And it's the verse in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, that says the following, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Some translations even says a sound mind. When you have clarity of mind, when you're not just driven by emotional impulse and desire, there's clarity of sound of mind, self-control. The Bible also tells us that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So guys, what am I trying to say? When it comes to exercising self-control, we're gonna need to trust the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget during COVID, <clears throat> there was an opportunity for us to make an investment. Somebody came to us and said, here's a great investment opportunity for you guys. Why don't you try it out with us? We've checked out all the loopholes and everything's going to work. So I went to go and did my own homework and kind of felt like, yeah, I'm not sure, but it looks good. Everything is okay. And it was a Bitcoin investment for all the investors out there. And then on top of this investment, there was another opportunity to allow your Bitcoin to grow, not just the normal stock market growth, but also something else, guys that will work with it and grow your Bitcoin for you. And um, we decided, okay, we're going to make this move. 
And I'm sad to say that there was a moment as I'm on my way to work and I was sitting in my car and this thought just dropped into my mind and to my heart that something is not on. We shouldn't be doing this. And I'll be honest with you, the one place that bothered me most is that we're going to make money without working. And something there just didn't work for me. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to listen to it. So all I did was, okay, God, I give you this money. You can do with it what you want. So if you want to take it away from me, you can take it away. However, the Spirit was guiding me in that moment to not go that route. And I didn't. I missed that prompting. I didn't exercise self-control because I saw a great moment, which I've missed for. And needless to say, it all turned out to be a scam and we lost our whole investment on that finance opportunity. Now, God is good. He can, he can restore what was broken. However, we need to trust Him actively every single time. So wherever you are, I want you to prayerfully consider and trust God to guide you in this. Open it up to people around you, brothers and sisters that follows a journey with Jesus. And that actually brings me to the next point. Because not only are we going to ask God to give us self-control, we're going to ask Him to give us understanding. And when it comes to understanding, I want to read to you Isaiah 4 verse 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, I'll never forget this. There was a time when we went through a very strong financial crisis as a family, myself and my wife, Gerda. And um, I was very uncertain about what we were doing with our finances, where everything is going, what's happening with it. And um, to the point that I really had a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of stress about whether I'm allocating my finances to the right spaces. Am I making the right decisions and the right choices? So it dawned on me to maybe invite a financial expert that's within the church and the space that we have family. And I opened up my budget and my bank statement to this man. I must say it was quite an exposing experience, but I was vulnerable. And it was probably the best decision that I could have ever made. Because as he was looking at what we're doing with the little bit that we have available at that stage, he discovered, and I've discovered in that moment, just by hearing him saying to me, I think you guys are doing great. You're not spending money, you're investing money. Wherever you are allocating, you're busy investing. Even if it's paying down a property that you guys have, you just need to push through. There is going to come more freedom in your journey. You just continue down this road. Can I tell you how well I slept that night after opening up my budget to someone else to speak into that space and keep me accountable, give me wisdom, give me understanding in that area of my life? I wonder if you've ever done this. In fact, I've had a few conversations with couples that came to me and said, we don't know, we are uncertain, and I've always given them this counsel. Trust people that can work with finance and that follows Jesus to help you and guide you in these times and in these moments. The last prayer that we're going to bring before God is, God, give me a plan. Give me a plan. So don't just give me self-control. Don't just give me understanding, but also give me a concrete plan. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, The plans, not the impulses, the plans of the diligent leads to profit as surely as haste leads 
to poverty. So, with that being said, I want to put out maybe a little framework for your financial plan into the future. Because I know so many people might be stuck in debt, especially when you're under financial crisis. And that's mainly where most of our financial stress comes from. It's where we don't have enough and where we have to pay and we've made commitments and we don't know how we're going to keep to those commitments, how we're going to honor those commitments. So here is a plan to maybe practically get you out of debt in that space and trusting God for this. The first part of your plan, I think, would be to get an emergency fund available in your finance space. I'm making it very practical now. So what are you going to do? You're going to look at selling whatever you have available. Anything that can be sold, you're going to sell it to build an emergency fund that when you are in crisis, you don't have to run to debt. I mean, you're going to sell the kids if they don't behave well. That's how far and serious we're going to get about getting a buffer in place when it comes to our finances. So that's the first part. We're going to build up a little emergency fund. Then the second thing that we're going to do is we're going to build the debt snowball. Now, I don't know if you know what the debt snowball is, but it's starting to pay off the smallest amounts of debt that you have with as much money as you possibly can put aside, as much as you can save, say no for a little while so we can say yes for the rest of our lives. So we're going to say no to some luxuries that we don't need now. And we're going to say yes to something else. We're going to pay off and we're going to start building a little debt snowball that's going to obliterate the debt out of our lives so that we can start doing the next part of our plan, start saving. Guys, I don't know if you know how powerful saving is. I've been so blessed and just having margin in my own life, in my own financial world. The other day we had a friend that's close to us whose car got stolen. And um, we had the privilege because we have margin within our financial space. We have savings saved up that we could contribute to blessing that guy with a free car. Have you ever had the privilege of blessing someone with a car for free? Well, I can say I have. And it's because God has blessed me with a plan that we can be a blessing out there for the people around us. So those are the three steps. I want you to go and build an emergency fund and maybe go and speak to experts about this. Get a buffer that you don't have to run towards debt and be enslaved by it. And then secondly, sort out your debt by building a snowball, by starting to pay off the first, first level of debt and then the second and then the third and then the fourth. And before you find yourself, you're totally out of debt and you have so much financial margin to be used by God, to be a blessing in this world. So what are we going to do? We're going to ask God to give us self-control. We're going to trust the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we're going to ask God to give us understanding. We're going to open up our lives to people that can speak in to our financial world. Thirdly, we're going to actively ask God to guide us to put a plan together so that the tools God has given us in our finances can be used to glorify Him. I want to end off with the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, I think they are so profound. You can just read them and they speak to you. So I want to ask you to read with me as we reflect a little bit on what Jesus said about money. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve both God and money. And as I've said previously, here Jesus says money has the ability to master you. And if you devote yourself to the master of money, your life leads to a place of stress and worry. But should you choose God, the following will happen. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Jesus says of God, is your master. Do not worry. What do you do? Look at the birds. That's the invitation. Do not worry, but look at the birds. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. They're not busy with all kinds of plans and projects. And yet your heavenly father, and that's so profound because Jesus starts off with by introducing God as a master and then here he moves towards a father. He says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And then he makes the ultimate statement. He says, are you not much more valuable than they are. When I think about money, it's always about value. Do I have enough? Don't I have enough? We measure value in money so quickly. And Jesus steps in and he blows the scales out of the water when he starts making a value estimate. And he says, you know what, guys? There is something far more valuable than money and it is you there is nothing more valuable than the life of a human being in fact when God decided to give his life he didn't give it for money he gave it for you so I want to ask you are you willing to trust God to give you self-control to give you understanding to follow his plans, to actively walk as he guides you through his body, through his word, and through the Holy Spirit when it comes to your finances. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you that we know you are good and you're looking after us. When we look at the birds and everything out there, how beautifully you dress them and look after every single need that they may have. Dad, I want to pray that wherever people might be in a space where where they're paralyzed by fear when it comes to finances, that they will hear these words. Are you not more valuable than the birds outside? Will I not look after you as your dad? Dad, I want to come and pray that people will be set free from the bondage of fear, fearing for their financial stability, for their provision, but that they will look to the Father, to you, and find hope in you, find hope in your friendships, the body and the people, your children that you've put around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.